wearer. Ooh, like a visco girl. I don't know what that means. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and um, I'm actually pretty good at ice skating. Really? Yeah. This is Just Between Us, a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. Well, actually, we wanted to say something very exciting to our listeners. Um, as you know, at the end of every episode, we rate the episode. Yes, we get rated. By our wonderful producer. But we want to open up the rating to our audience. Yeah, so if you are a fan of the show, you will have the chance to come on, call in, and rate the episode. And not only will you get to rate the episode, you'll get to listen to us record the entire episode uh, and all the stuff that we will eventually cut because it's inappropriate. Yep. <laughs> In order to win this incredible opportunity, uh, you can leave a review, uh, preferably on Apple Podcasts, and whoever leaves what we subjectively find to be the funniest review. Yeah, exactly. The will, metrics are what we like. What we like, so really pander here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to uh, call in, listen to the entire episode, and then rate the show and be on air. Yes. We have no idea if this is something that will appeal to anyone, but if it appeals to you, please do this. We've got a great episode for you. We're going to be talking about the drag king world with Vico Ortiz, and later we'll be talking about food. And our complicated relationship to it. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Catherine, Georgia, the state. Ah, uh, yes, as opposed to Georgia, the country, which is international. Right. They put the state in parentheses, and I appreciate that, Catherine. Okay, so Catherine's overall question is, how do you confront a mentally ill friend's harmful behavior without making them feel worse slash suicidal? Oh, you have some um, history of this with multiple people. Uh, I guess so, yes. So uh, her background is basically that... Uh, A new friend working at a college radio station. This friend is male presenting. I did as much as I could to be there for them, listening to struggles and trying my best to empathize and sympathize. However, during this time, I was beginning to feel uncomfortable with some of the comments or looks they were giving me. Many comments made about my boobs or butt or my body in general in a sexual way. Uh, occasionally at parties or when drinks were involved, they would touch me in ways that I was not comfortable with and explicitly express this both at the moment and later sober. Despite that, the actions continued. Um, and then their mental health kept declining. And she said, I would not tolerate this behavior from friends that I believe are in a stable in their mental health. So I'm not sure how to address the issue with someone who may not be. I think a lot of people struggle with this. Maybe not this specific scenario of, like, your friend consistently hitting on you despite you telling them to stop. Yeah, but I think, like, how to talk to someone when you feel like you're going to spiral them into a depression. A lot of times it's people that want to break up, but they're like, I can't break up with this person. They'll kill themselves. Exactly. (laughs) Which is so manipulative and so unfair. It is not your fault what someone does after you break up with them. Not at all. I, um... I was with someone whose mental health was was rapidly deteriorating, but it was also our relationship was rapidly deteriorating. And uh, we broke up in his therapist's office. Yes. So basically I uh, came with him to therapy. Yeah. And he was just starting to see his therapist again. And I was basically like 
please help. And I just passed him to her. And then yeah. I and then I left. <laughs> and you felt that that was that was kind to have him have him have someone to talk to immediately afterwards. Well, yeah, and also just to like I was there to like let her know how bad it was, what mm-hmm. was going on, the situation, but also that like I you know, could no longer be in a romantic relationship with him, but I didn't feel like I was abandoning him as much as I would have had I not, like, literally transitioned him over to a trained professional. Got it. I mean, this isn't an option for everyone, but it worked out well for me. I think it's, uh, if you are feeling like the only reason you're not going to kill yourself is because the person you're dating, like, you need to get help somewhere else because that, that is manipulative. And if someone's saying that to you, that's like a form of abuse. Like that's not okay to be like you have to stay with me or I'll hurt myself. I think that that's often more cut and dry when you're in a romantic relationship because it's easy – like it, people expect you to break up. But like when it's a friend, it can be even trickier of like what what to say and, you know, what is your responsibility. Because um, Catherine's asking about a friend, not a boyfriend. I know, um, but I, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of similar. Like, you can say, like, I don't want to be, fr- I don't want to be friends anymore. And that person could take it the same way. Like, no, you have to be my friend or I'm going to hurt myself. I don't have, you know what it is? It's those people that are just like, I don't have anyone except you. Yes. And so basically, I always use this example, but it's like, you're on the airplane and you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can put it on someone else. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if this person is like sucking the lifeblood out of you, right? you know, you have to prioritize yourself. And I think that you can have these conversations with kindness. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like you do not need to stick around for this kind of behavior. They're an emotional vampire. They're sucking the emotions out of you. They're, like, draining you to be with them. And especially in this situation, it feels like they are really taking advantage of you in an inappropriate way. That it's not just like, oh, they're a bummer to be around because they have depression. They're, like, I think borderline sexual harassing you. Yeah, they are sexually harassing you. And I think, like, you don't have to put up with that because someone says they're mentally ill. There's, like, a lot of stuff where, like, for example, like, someone in my family was – is – probably very disturbed and they do things that are like really upsetting to me and I just let stuff happen because I was like well they're 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 ill but that doesn't mean like like you and I have mental illness but we're not out there fucking groping people like it's a different thing like I I think like with you know sometimes they'll be like with these mass shooters they'll be like well they're you know they had like depression and it's like okay they had depression plenty of people have depression and don't shoot up malls like you can't blame things on mental illness if your behavior is like actively hurting other people and especially if you've had an explicit conversation with them about what behavior is and isn't okay and then they re- disregard that. Yeah. You know, I think that to make yourself feel better, I think you can say, okay, I'm going to have a sit down, one more sit down conversation with this person and I'm going to uh, explain to them like why you need space and what's going on and how it's negatively affecting your mental health. And then I think the, the, what happens next is on them. Absolutely. You know, like you have given them the courtesy of explaining your actions and your intentions and why you're doing what what you're doing and how you want and how you hope that they get help and how you'll care for them. But like for your own sanity, you need to to back off for a bit. 
Because why is their well-being more important than your well-being? Exactly. I had a friend who uh, was going through a bit of a manic episode and um, had some issues with alcohol and stuff. And I felt really weird about, uh, like, abandoning her. And then I thought – and I said to my therapist, I was like, am I, like, a horrible person if I, you know, stop being her friend? And my therapist said, I would be more worried about you if you stayed friends with her. Yeah, and what you did was you said, like, you you alerted her to the your issues with it and were like, hey, I hope you get help. Like, here's the things that you're doing that I'm really worried about. And then you bounced. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely ghosted more than maybe I should have. But you did let her know I what was going on. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I think I made it clear that I did not want to be around her when she was drinking. Yeah. But I also did not want to be around her if alcohol was a part of her life at all. And I never got – I never said that as explicitly. I feel like there is – that could inspire people to get help if their friends – if, like, their friends are like, hey, I don't like when you drink. Like, if multiple people – like, not an intervention, but, like, if multiple people are like, you act fucked up when you're drinking. And also, I don't know what you're doing for your depression, but whatever it is, it's not working. So, but like we tried to help her and, and at first she seemed receptive to that help. And so I was like completely down to be there for her. I'm saying, and yeah, then, you, you did. But, I'm saying you did the thing. But then when it became clear, she didn't want that help anymore and she didn't, wasn't going to like work to get better. Then I was like, okay, this is like really unhealthy for me to be around this behavior. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so then I prioritized myself and like, yes, of course, there's a part of me that like feels guilty and feels like a shitty person for doing that. But like, ultimately, mm-hmm. like, she's not a family member. Mm-hmm. It's not someone I've even known since I was five. Fa- no, Absolutely. even if they are, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I think that there's different, there's nuances. I think it's hard to say like, explicitly this explicitly that i think that you know i've i've 100 percent like lost friends during spells of of mental illness Mm -hmm. and at the time i couldn't believe it and i was like so mad at them and looking back i'm like of course why would they have wanted to be friends with me when i was like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the trickiest part is is like the fear of suicide right and the fear that like what you do will literally cause another person to lose their life it doesn't I understand, Gabby, but I'm saying like that's what someone that is a fear that somebody has. I know, has. so I'm letting them know that like it it it's uh, you one factor, your one thing doesn't cause suicide. I don't know. Like I also I I briefly dated a person who then became suicidal and I felt like I had to be in his life to a certain extent. Yeah. During a a trauma period, during like a an especially heightened period. Mhm. And, like, alert his roommate and make sure he talked to his dad and, like, Mm -hmm. just put in a little more effort than I honestly, like, wanted to. Because, to me, the risk of this person hurting themselves outweighed, like, it annoying me, you know? And so, but at a certain point, that can't go on forever. So that went on for, like, maybe a month or two. Yeah. And then at that point, I established boundaries Mm -hmm. and made it... Made it more clear that, like, I was not interested in a romantic relationship with him at all. That this was just about him needing to get better. Mm-hmm. And, like, and and just, like, kind of, like, again, like, set him on his path. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, if you had told me in the, in the worst part of that crisis to just cut him off and to just, like, let him figure it out by himself. Like, I wasn't going to do that because I was genuinely afraid that this person was going to hurt themselves. And I think it's, I think it's, 
you know, human nature to care about people who've been in your life and also yeah. just to care about people because they're simply people. But I think you have to look at it as something that is short term, like to have a plan to like know how long you're willing to put up with something to make mm-hmm. it clear what steps you want them to take mm-hmm. to encourage them to get help instead of just enabling the same behavior. Mm-hmm. And and just kind of like if you get to a point where every time you're with this person, all you're saying is you need to get help. You need to see a, sign, a, a, a therapist. You need to get on medication. Here's what you need to do. And they'll either start to do that or they'll stop wanting to hang out with you because that's all that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's unrealistic to just be like, fuck them, leave. You know? I know, but during that time, I, I was like, you're not his mom. I understand, but I'm a person, and how could I pretend to be a mental health advocate and then, like, turn my back on someone who was, like, suicidal? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. But and I, I also was in tune with myself to know when it was too much. Yeah. And I could handle it, I could handle it, I could handle it, and then when I stopped being able to handle it, that's when I shut the door. Yeah. And I think that you'll kind of, like check in with yourself and see like what what percentage of me do I have to give to this person without it being unhealthy yeah but I also wonder how much is an excuse for him to uh sexually harass her this is a different situation I know as soon as someone is sexually harassing you it's a different situation yeah yeah and you need to make a very strict boundary and and I would say give them the resources to help themselves and mm-hmm. then move on. But in my situation, he was not sexually harassing me. Yeah, he was b- breaking boundaries, though. Sure, but again, you know, I've been alive for 30 years and that was like a month and a half of my life. Ah, uh, I know. Because to me, walking away, I would have just been more of a mess because I would have felt so shitty about that. But I, it's so, I don't know. I just feel like it's so manipulative like uh, and I feel like oftentimes it's it's these guys who rely on women to be like their moms and like make sure that they're not going to kill themselves. <laughs> and it's like you you just want people to kill themselves. I don't I don't really but understand it's not your some, point of view. Because it's not someone else's job. If you're going to kill yourself, you're going to kill yourself. So There's I so became, many factors. If I became super suicidal and but, was like and you wouldn't help me? No, but you're uh, you're different. Why? Because you're not because it's not you haven't shown up like a month ago and you're not saying the only reason you're not going to me. Gabby, the only reason I'm not going to kill myself is because you're here. Okay, but there's going to be scenarios where it's someone you've been friends with for 15 years who's suddenly super depressed and suicidal. And maybe they're not saying that you're the only reason they're alive, but you can feel like if you pull away, you know, there's so many variations of this of a similar situation. I just think it gets into like abusive to for people that like stay because oh well if I don't stay they'll kill themselves. Like that's- staying romantically I think is is not healthy. Sure. But I think it's I think it is a, a good part of human nature to want to help someone out. Yes, during a time of extreme crisis. I don't like the idea reinforcing the idea that if you leave they'll kill themselves because there's so many factors. That go I'm into. not enforcing that idea. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, the moment your friend shows suicidal tendencies, you don't have to be like, peace. No, that's not what I'm saying either. But I'm saying if people are like, well, if you if you leave, then I then I'll do it. And it's like, or if you're not my friend, then I'll do it. And but it's see, like, I don't think that this person in this scenario has ever vocally said that. I think this is a fear that Catherine has, and I think that more often than someone explicitly saying it, it's the friend or the partner fearing that that will be the case but you're uh, yeah so then you got to do what you got to do i mean i think 
I, I think we have a moral response unless this person is abusing you. Yeah. If it's someone that's important, has been important to you in your life. Yeah. You have a moral responsibility to try to get them help. Ultimately, they decide whether or not to take that help. Yeah. And if they don't, I 100% support yeah. moving on with your life. Yeah. But I think that they're, I think at first you got to try. And you yes. don't you don't reinforce the idea mm-hmm. that you're the reason that they're alive. You yeah. say your brain is working against you. Yeah. Your chem- the chemicals in your brain are making you feel a certain way. Yeah. We need to get you help. You are sick. We need to get you treatment. Mm-hmm. And if you do not accept this treatment, then I'm sorry, but like you have become you this relationship becomes toxic because it is too upsetting for me to see your, you not getting help. Yeah. I just don't like uh, uh, when people kill themselves and then it's like it was your fault or like it was you you di- you did this because you didn't stay or whatever or you didn't help I, I, I them. Mean, yeah, <laughs> like what? I'm if, not saying that that's va- that. Like, that's- what if you do leave and then they do kill themselves? How? It's not your fault. No, it's not your fault. But I think I think you could probably live with yourself a little bit better if you at least tried to help them. Yes, you can try, but I don't think it's your fault at all i feel like one factor doesn't lead to someone killing themselves no it's kind of like it becomes this like incel thing of like if you hadn't dumped him he wouldn't have killed everyone i'm not supporting that and again i'm i'm speaking more to situations where that's your fear versus something they've explicitly said to you but that fear sucks because it inherently means that you think that it's your responsibility to suffer so that someone else doesn't kill themselves of course I guess to me, if someone is saying that, then either one, they're super manipulative. Yeah. Or two, they believe that and they really need help. Yeah. And if it's option number two, then I think, you know, try to get them help. Yeah. And and I'm, again, I'm not talking about years. I'm not even talking Mm -hmm. about months. I'm talking about give it two weeks of seeing if this person will at least schedule a therapy, you know? Yeah. I almost think of it as like volunteer work, <laughs> you oh know, God. like you're hel- you're helping somebody out. Yeah, like in the same way you would like sign up to do like suicide prevent, like a suicide prevention yeah. hotline. Yeah. You know, you're gonna like try to help this person. Hopefully, they'll take that help, and if not, then a hundred percent, you have to move on to protect yourself. Yeah, and if they do kill themselves, it has nothing to do with you, right? I'm not saying. I'm sorry. I'm you. sorry if, if somehow that seemed to be my message. That's no, not no, what no, I no. All. I don't think that's what you're saying. Uh, I think what we're saying is complementary to each other. I just mean that, like, I, I think it's not. It's not your fault. But there is a tendency for people to find someone to blame, right? Like when Mac Miller overdosed, and everyone was like, "He did it because of Ariana Grande." Right. Like there is this thing of of people jumping to, "Oh, it's your fault. He did this." Right. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. And it's, like, pretty manipulative and, and like, uh, again, like, abusive and, like, in some cases misogynistic to think that, like, oh, well, he wouldn't have done this if you hadn't – if you hadn't put your own needs first. Like, go – are you kidding? I don't know. I don't like the idea also that, like, people believe if, – if Catherine believes, like, well, I'm what's – I fear that I'm what's keeping him from doing it – or I, if I leave, it's going to make his mental health worse. Right. It's like, what about yourself? And 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 also, like, there's no world in which you, singular Catherine, are the one who has caused this. Yeah. 
No, you have to take, you gotta, it's twofold. It's one, you have to recognize that you have no responsibility Mm -hmm. and that you are not, there's not a cause and effect of like you and this person. None. Uh, And, and then on the flip side, you have to decide, you know, do I have the mental energy to help? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, and then you set up the boundaries of how you're willing to help, Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, you can move forward that way for a limited amount of time, depending on their reaction. Yeah. I mean, your friend reached out and wanted to talk to me, and I just said, I'm also going through a a bipolar depressive episode. Like, I can't help someone else. Right. So I'm saying you got to check in with yourself and if you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you have have the mental energy. (sighs) And no one killing themselves is any one person's fault and any one action's fault. It's a combination of a lot of things. Correct. Okay. All right. We just shook hands over the table. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to submit your international question, send us an email at justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about drag kings with Vico Ortiz. Just between us. Hey! Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, Sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Hi everyone, Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books and that is why I'm so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. 
They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic, trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in book of the month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Top questions. Oh, it's become like a sporting event. Yeah, those are the fans. (laughs) And those are the, you've done before, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a very exciting guest. We have Vico Ortiz here, who is an actor and a, a buddy of mine. Vico, we wanted to bring you on because you have a very interesting, fun hobby, don't you? Um, I, I, I do. Yes. Uh, so, okay. So everyone is very familiar with drag queens. I feel like, like RuPaul's Drag Race has really like made that so mainstream and it's like a huge phenomenon and they like sell out all these places or whatever. But then it's kind of fucked up because drag kings don't get the same, uh, respect. There's no RuPaul's Drag Race for drag kings. So like, okay, let's start with like what, what brought you to it and like, you know, what made you be like, oh, this is what I want to do. So I, uh, as most people, uh, had no idea what a drag king was, and I didn't get involved with it up until a little bit over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, in May, May I ask how old you are? Is that inappropriate? No, yeah, I'm turning 28 in, in a month. Okay, so you're a small child. <laughs> <laughs> people, people who are 28, I don't know. But just saying I didn't get into it a year ago when I was 26... Oh, that's true. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was, I guess, like you know, reaching my uh, quarter life crises. Although I'm Saturn feeling it now. Returns. Hey. <laughs> so how did yeah? How did you discover it? Um, my friend uh, Kathleen Jaffe was uh, doing a fundraiser for the AIDS Life Cycle Foundation. She gathered uh, a bunch of her friends. She emailed me and was like, "Hey, uh, have you ever done uh, drag?" And I was like, "No." She was like, "You want to do it?" And I was like, "Sure." Um, and I had never seen a drag king before. I like went on YouTube and I was like Googling like, oh, I could. Um, and I ended up just choosing a song to lip sync. And, uh, what song? Uh, Ricky Martin, uh, Pegate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tend to do Spanish songs. Yes. I. That was like the beginning of me being like, okay, so if I'm going to do drag, uh, I want to represent who I am. I'm Puerto Rican. And, uh, and I want to do something that's different. And I'm assuming people normally do English, obviously, we're mm-hmm. in the U.S. of A. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be myself, but, you know, also in, like, a more manly manner. And, uh, but I ended up just seeing Ricky Martin, who's a gay guy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, still manly, still I'd manly, say. Still manly, no, yeah. for sure. Buff, He's buff as hell. I saw him at buff. Madison Square Garden as a child, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. 
a car came up from under the stage. What? Just imagine that. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> I had a poster of him in my locker. I Everything oh my makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, I did it uh, uh, for the first time there, and I was like, well, one time and, and done. But once I was done doing it, I was like, whoa, like this is amazing. And I was seeing other performers who had storylines within their, uh, mm-hmm. their drag shows. They weren't just doing a song and just lip singing. They were doing... Um, political commentary they were doing fun bits and uh and mixing their songs to create a story and i was like i love that idea um now that was in may of last year i didn't do any other uh drag shows until december of that same year and i ended up doing another impersonation of freddie mercury oh so you were impersonating ricky martin um correct yes okay great yeah but after that i got booked for a show in january where it was just called magic dyke just do whatever you want to do. So that's when I was like, ooh, I'm going to create a character, mix my own music, mm. and then t- tell a story. Um, and I had so much fun doing that. I ended up winning the competition. What a rush. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your third time you win. That's People have amazing. been doing it for 15 years. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. Uh, there's uh, a bit of, like, uh, having a theater background and, and being an actor, like, uh, there is this, like, want to tell stories and be very and because everything that I do is in Spanish I have to make sure that whatever I'm doing physically is universally understood mm. so people it's like un- the opera almost yeah essentially <laughs> exactly there are like an idea machine over here yeah, I'll, just I'll start taking you. notes I'll yeah thanks yeah, are you Pico's manager now <laughs> thanks maybe soon <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, since then I've been, and now I want to be more on the uh, political, not like heavy political side, but there's some incredible performers out there who make insane political statements and, uh, um, uh, Skirt Cocaine is one of them, uh, who with song and, and, and dance and just the presentation of it. He's done some sets where, uh, with certain songs and doing those types of presentations, uh, he has a drag king set, right. but with all these uh, statements. Mm-hmm. So you walk out feeling uh, moved in some way, not just like, oh, I'm throwing money at you because you're taking off your clothes, which is a lot of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to strip as part of it. You just do. I just do it yeah. <laughs> often. Uh, I did have one set where I did not strip, um, and it was just like a fun one where I fell in love with my mop, and my mop and I have a duet, and uh, so I, like, very political, <laughs> so political. <laughs> so it's almost like you can—it's a morphing into performance art. Yeah, absolutely. And you have this like specific point of view and and point that you're trying to to relay to the audience. Absolutely. And uh, even if that point is comedy, like the show that we saw, the I remember the. NSFW doing um, dressed as a penis or a vibrator. Yes. Dressed yes. as a vibrator doing like, I don't know what song it was. I think it was also a mix of different songs too. Yeah. But like it was the point was like some sort of se- like funny sex positivity thing. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. it was great. Yeah. That's what I'm t- like literally it's, it's, yeah, I feel like more the, the of the drag of the underground drag world is a lot of performative art for sure. And you walk out feeling like you've learned something or you feel good or you're questioning certain things mm-hmm. and you walk out of it being like, oh, wow, like I love this performance because I learned this or because uh, I feel related to this or I mm-hmm. feel seen in different ways. Um, and it's not just like the drag king like, oh, like macho, like what's up? You know, it's like there's a lot of like gender bendy happening uh, as well. Uh, and I absolutely love that. What do you mean? Um, like you see, it's not just like the 
um, hyper masculinely like macho like oh yeah I'm gonna like you know drink this beer and like watch football it's it's you see these like men with a sensible uh feminine side mm-hmm. um at least on my end like I have discovered or not discovered I've explored my femininity a lot more within my masculine persona versus my you know everyday everyday women biology uh like why my, do you think that is honestly I feel just because I feel freer in these spaces, um, I I'm surrounded by people who are there, completely supporting you, mm-hmm. um, and completely ready and open to 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 receive your energy and and reciprocate with that. And uh, I, I mean, I, in the, my first thought when I first started doing, it, I was like, oh yeah, well I'm gonna be this like macho guy you know <laughs> and then like the more I kept doing it, I was like I actually really like I, you know putting on chest hair or putting the mustache and packing and then kind of just like m- moving in, in a more feminine way I feel just freer in a way um has doing drag um influenced your like gender identity at all absolutely tell absolutely. us more <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yes uh so um I uh was think um, questioning my gender identity before doing drag, uh, but I wasn't really dabbling much into it. Um, I had done a few projects, um, one where two non-binary people fall in love, and I started meeting more people who were non-binary um, and talking to them and trying to figure it out because a lot of the ones that I was meeting were transmasculine, non-binary. And I was like, I don't feel uh, like I want to lean completely to one side mm-hmm. um but I also don't feel completely identified to to the side that I'm currently in right now um and as I started doing drag that ability of being able to express my fluidity in terms of my gender allowed me to solidify or feel more at ease with understanding that hey I'm neither a woman nor a man uh but sometimes I'm both at the same time. And I feel those two energies constantly flowing within me, kind of like a yin-yang. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to present more masculine, but also use my feminine attributes uh, was kind of like a relief. I was like, oh, I get to look like a man, but still be feminine. And I can also mm-hmm. look like a woman and still be masculine and not have to... Uh, choose one side forever and mm-hmm. uh and it's been incredibly freeing just like in the drag king community like how what is the approach to non-binary people is it inclusive or has there been issues i think all drag is valid um i think uh i feel like with the drag king community i, I wouldn't i mean there is is the drag king community but i feel like it's more it's more used as like is the drag community mm-hmm. um because there is so much more of people kind of just being like, fuck gender. There's a lot more people saying just fuck gender. There's a lot of more uh, kings doing queen acts. and uh, What does that look like? Um, it looks like a queen. It looks just like <laughs> yeah, a drag there's, queen. There's a lot of, uh, like, bi- they call them bio queens, which is mm-hmm. just like biologically female drag queens. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I actually have thought about potentially maybe just like doing like, a queen act at some point. Not now, but like, mm-hmm. I had to do a lot more research and like makeup tutorials and the whole thing. Uh, but but it is 
I feel like in the king world, if we're going to call it that way, um, it's a lot more, people are more just like, fuck gender, just like, do whatever, be you, Mm -hmm. put yourself out there, be weird, be creepy, be whatever, Mm -hmm. and we'll love you for it. But so you you mentioned like, uh, you called it underground, and I feel like there's a big difference between that and what we tend to see like on TV or what we see out in West Hollywood. Like I was almost like, isn't all of this stuff kind of underground at this point? It's it's very different uh, seeing just uh, drag shows that are just queen-led in West Hollywood versus the ones that I've seen right. either in downtown L.A. Uh, first of all, most of the drag shows are queen-heavy. Um, mm. And even the ones that are inclusive to all are still very much queen-heavy. Um, Why? To be honest, I feel like there isn't them. I mean, this is fantastic that we're doing this here because uh, I, I do want to encourage people to see more drag shows, period. Not oh, just, like, in general, drag queens. go yeah. out and support. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because um, I feel like every time I say, oh, yeah, I'm a drag king, they're like, wait, that's a thing? Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Come check these all these shows out. Like, there's monthly shows that are happening. And it's definitely, I mean, it's it's... Definitely monopolized by the queen world, but I feel like there is a surge of performance art drag. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it's king heavy, but still is also very much like gender bendy fuckery, which is uh, a lot of fun. I think we're all in that minority are gathering together and are just like, all right, let's start making some shows, you know, and, and get people to watch them uh, and to s- support them. I have not seen that much in WeHo, to, to be super honest. Uh, most yeah, that's of those shows, Queens. Yeah, most of the stuff that I've seen is either in East LA, uh, East Hollywood, or downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've not seen a single... I've never performed as a king in West Hollywood. I've, I've only done it in the East Side. Um, so that would be interesting to kind of just like hit up some of the clubs over there and be like, hey, would you be interested in having, you know, one and start mm-hmm. kind of like... And you can say surely. you've been a guest on this podcast, so they'll probably <laughs> let you do it. Oh, and well, I'll have you come with yeah, me because you're be officially there. my manager. <laughs> right. so. And publicist. Do yes. you ever, this might be a stupid question, but do you ever do a drag king without facial hair? Um, I have not, personally. Do you feel like the facial hair is like a crucial part of the character for you? For me, yes. Uh, I have definitely have worn the whole outfit and not put on facial hair, and I look... Very odd, um, but I have met uh, some some kings who do it without the facial hair, and they rock it. Also, their makeup skills are like incredible. Oh yeah, uh, they'll chisel their jaws. They chisel and, like, their jaw. Do the whole thing. They're mm-hmm. little like um, uh, butt, butt chin, butt chin, yeah. <laughs> um, and and they just with that is like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if I don't put facial hair or at least sideburns, it's like. I, I still look very much like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally just adding a little bit, just just a little pencil stash of anything, it's enough for just, like, change. Mm-hmm. That's great. What? So can you explain your character and how that person acts differently than you? So um, I have evolved uh, the character a little bit. Um, the first uh, set that I did where I created my own music – I was kind of like a like a voyager, and uh, and after doing it, I mean, it was fun and whatnot. Then it felt a little bit too uh, colonial, mm. and I was like, I don't really. What wanna... do you mean when you say voyager? Like a pilgrim? 
Um, like a Spanish colonizer, essentially. Oh, okay. I had like armor <laughs> on, and I had like the the curly uh, oh, mustache, the mustache, the handlebar. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I've been gone for a month just speaking Spanish, and my English is like <laughs> eluding me sometimes. Um, so yeah, so I had that going on, uh, armor and all these things, and it looked really cool. But then I was like, if I want to keep doing stuff that was in Puerto Rico. Um, I just don't want to do always, like, Spanish, like, Spaniard uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and I've been introducing this character, uh, character who's a jíbaro. Um, a jíbaro is um, technically, like, a farm worker from Puerto Rico. They come from, like, the the uh, from the mountains. And originally it was... Um, it was an insult because they come from from the inside of the island. They, a lot of them have uh, strong indigenous uh, lineage and uh, West African lineage. Uh, so it wasn't – if they called it a hibaro, it wasn't a positive thing. But I feel like more and more so now that people are um, reclaiming their mm-hmm. history and their heritage and being like, no, this is who I am. I come from here. This, these are my roots. Hibaro is becoming more and more um, – uh, positive. I mean, I've always seen it as a positive thing. And are you from that background? Um, my dad is. Okay, so great. my dad comes from that background, and then my mom comes from the city, and then I grew up kind of in between. Uh, but I mean, whenever I go back home and I, you know, go visit my family, uh, uh, I go to El Campo, which is like the mountains, and and it's gorgeous. And the stories that my dad tells me about how they, you know essentially they lived from the land like mm-hmm. 90% of the time and slowly but surely you know more of the colonialism and all that history started happening and all that we can get on the history of that <laughs> <laughs> pretty deeply uh but anyway um Hibaro is is essentially like a farm worker and um and I've been introducing this character who's a curious uh character and it's not that I'm not curious as a person but um He's he's curious. He's uh, he's a little shy at first, um, but as the number grows, the more his confidence grows. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely uh, a lot more feminine than I am. Um, he's like more interested in like doing. Um, uh, like hip twirls and uh, getting down on the floor. Uh, but he's he's a curious guy. And what's uh, his name? Um, well, the it's funny because like uh, Vico Suave is is my drag king name. Um, but uh, and that was because I've created it the first time. Um, <laughs> when I first did the show in May, and I was panicking. But I'm slowly but surely putting Vico Suave El Don Papi. And yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, so that that way I can slowly but surely take Vico Suave out of the of the equation and then just use El Don Papi as as my drag king name. Um, Does that mean something? I'm sorry. Um, el Don is kind of like, or it's E L space D O N. Uh, it's kind of saying like, um, like not sir, but because that's like too proper. It's kind of just saying, how would I translate that to English? Mister. Mister. Yeah. Yeah, I took a guess. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Papi, you know, yeah. like Mr. Daddy or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I love that. Yes, uh, I'd love yeah. if they like translate it as Mr. Daddy on <laughs> yeah. Hills and stuff. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, he's uh, also a big um, romantic, like passionate romantic uh, uh, man who just like wants to gives you flowers every day and like wants to treat you right and uh, but always gets his heart broken constantly. Oh. Um, um, but then, you know, 
it starts all over again. <laughs> uh, Have you gotten to do any political stuff with him? Not yet, uh, but I'm really excited about it because I do want to have some. Uh, I, I I need to figure out which songs I want to use to like tell the story. Uh, but I have uh, a set idea about the uh, Puerto Rican flag, which we weren't allowed to wave uh, uh, for like ten years. Uh, we weren't allowed to have our flag displayed or talk about independence or if you know if you were heard of of speaking of uh, the the national anthem or independence or just putting the flag in a window, you can get arrested. Why? Because of the U.S.? Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Cool. But then you see, like, people normally don't know these things, but I need to figure out a way to, like, put that in a a political, like, informational manner, but also kind of end with something positive. Right. Um, And also uh, using... um, I have another set idea where I want to put... the evolution of like the Puerto Rican dance, uh, from like the Taínos to the West Africans with the bomba, uh, to the Jibaro with the plena, and then that that'd be cool. Yeah, um, it's, it's and a- informative. Absolutely, because I still get to dance and I still get to like do some of the lip sync, mm-hmm. and it's and it's fun. And I do a little bit of that anyway. Like most of my songs that I that I mix uh, have a mixture of bomba and salsa and bachata to reggaeton at the end, mm-hmm. where I end up. Uh, taking most of my clothes. I was going to say that's um, the stripping music. That's the, the stripping. The reggaeton, yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the beginning, it kind of just like flows with that. The one I'm doing on uh, next week uh, has kind of that flow as well. I have a little bit of a bomba set, and I'm really excited about. Um, but and I use the cuatro puertorriqueño, which is a very uh, uh, it's a it's a type of a guitar. Oh, so um, you're playing an instrument? On no, no, oh. fake. The fake. It's okay, all. I'm it's so all sorry. Fake. Lip sync of uh, instrument. Yeah. Whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah. It's Guitar Hero. Uh, essentially, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's slowly but surely introducing my culture to uh, the drag world, you know, and to people who come see it. That is so, so lovely. Okay, one more thing. You do a, a thing called the Butch Street Boys. Oh, the Backstreet Butches. Backstreet Butches. Yes. Okay, can we talk about that for a second? Of course. It is a all-drag Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and which one are you? Um, yes. AJ? Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> so I saw them in Vegas, and he's the most musically talented. Wow. Thank you. You're Breaking welcome. news here on this podcast. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, so it's a it's a group of you guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that, that uh, yeah, that was supposed to be a one-time only thing. And uh, people loved it. And people loved it. And we just kept getting booked and booked. And now we have an Instagram and, and an email. And we have a couple bookings happening in the next <laughs> month. Imagine if <laughs> I guessed the wrong Backstreet Boy. That would have been so embarrassing. I could see Kevin on me, but AJ is You're definitely. so much I'm, better than Kevin. Don't even say that about yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew you were going to guess AJ. I mean, there's it's unmistakable. <laughs> the <Thanks>. swagger. <laughs> um, so I love that you have that at, in your life. And I also have something in my life that I love very much, too. And it's a game called Hypotheticals. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give you and Gabby, my two contestants, um, a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask me questions about those situations. I can choose whether or not to answer. And then you'll tell me what you would do. Amazing. I can't Are we wait. ready? So ready. Our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> Your significant other of five years cheats on you with someone at the gym, but you later learn this person is their sibling. 
Neither had any idea and were simply experiencing genetic sexual attraction, which is very powerful stuff. Would you stay with this cheater? Wait, they didn't know they were siblings? No. This is a thing that happens where if you're separated from a immediate family member, when you're young, when you reconnect, if you reconnect as adults, you're often sexually attracted to them. I mean, it's like Luke and Leia from Star Wars. So exactly. That yeah. makes sense. I um, read an article about a mom and a son who started dating. Oh, I've read every article about what? that. <laughs> There's yeah. like a mom who's like dated her son, dated her daughter. Like, yeah, it's really wild. Wow. Yeah. So, um... Please, take the floor. Um, okay, so yeah, five years with this person, cheated on their sibling, had no idea. When did they find out? Did they Once they found out yes. that, that they were siblings, did they say they still want to do it again, or are they done? No, it was a one-time cheat. <laughs> I'll stay. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, my question is, uh, they will, they're not going to cheat on me ever again? You can never guarantee that, Gabby. The world is complicated. <laughs> okay. There's another sibling out there waiting. Yeah, I was going to say, are there other siblings? <laughs> yes. Oh. Fuck. Okay. And they will cross paths with those siblings. Oh, no. Whoa. Um. Can okay. we all be, I mean, are the, I mean, I guess if they all go to the gym. Every yeah, sibling, sibling goes to the gym. To the gym. You know? Okay. I would, does what happened at the gym even count? <laughs> I mean, if they can include me in one of these sessions, I'd be okay with it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Put me but in the that, wagon. But you know that's still incest. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, if it's in a threesome, it's still incest. You heard it here, here first. first. Uh, I, I'm going to say I'm not going to stay with this cheater. Mostly because I, I don't know. I... No, your instinct <sighs> is right. They're your first cousin. Oh, oh come God. on. You just didn't know until now. <laughs> so this person is exclusively attracted to um, people that are related to It's them. called genetic sexual attraction. <laughs> I have Google a lot it. of friends. Well, not friends. I have a couple people that have married their first cousin. Wow. In some cultures, that's allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Our next game, Is This a Date?, you bump into your cousin's ex-spouse, and you two get to talking about how much you hate your cousin for over two hours. Is this a date? It's a real family-centric thing. So you today. stay, you stay. Like, you bump into your ex, your cousin's ex. Your yeah. Cousin's ex. How close were you before? Not that close, okay. but you both fucking hate this cousin. Okay. You have questions? And, um, and you spend two hours, he said? Yeah. It, do you? I mean, is it like a, you just bumped into them and you started chatting? Or yeah, okay. So it's you didn't not like go you to a second go. location. Oh, yeah. you did. Oh, you went to a second location. Yeah, you went to um, a fire station that was having like an open house. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> they love to do that. Oh, I think it's a date. Yeah, because if they love doing that, it was one of those like, oh, you want to go to this fire, like fire station and like chat about how we. Thank hate. you for accepting that fire stations would have open houses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I, I'm ready for. <laughs> It's already a weird world yeah. in the Wasn't hypotheticals. There a Queer Eye episode about a fire station having an open house with the balloons and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah they wow. made over a firehouse. Yeah. I'm going to say no because I feel it's like not it, a date? No. If you don't ask if it's a date and it's not, a, and then it's not a date. Well, that's weird because by the end of it, you're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can still fuck without being in a date. Damn it. <laughs> wow. Okay, our final game. You guys really got to get it together here. Okay. Is this person an alien or just rude? 
While at summer camp, one of the fellow campers climbs into your bed and falls asleep directly on top of you, despite your protests. Okay, when you bring it up in the morning after they finally get up, they reply, Stop being so dramatic. Is this person an alien or just rude? This could also be an is this a date. It's not, though. Okay. Because oh. you're a child. <laughs> Please ask your questions. You're a child. You're a camp at camp. Yep. You're a camper at camp. You're a camper at... Wait, you're a child? How old is this other camper? Same age as you. Same age. And fell on top of me. Slept directly on top of you. This is um, a rude alien. I'm going to (laughs) just... A rude alien. Are they heavier than you? So you can't move. They are exactly the same weight as you. Why couldn't you move them? Well, it's rude. You're not rude. You kept saying, you kept saying, get off. Hey, get off. One time my sister did this to me. So that's why I really wanted to bring it up. What? One time we were sharing a bed in a hotel room and I'm pretty sure she just fell asleep on top of me. And I was like, just please get off. But she was bigger than you. Yeah. And also awake and still didn't move. I think, uh, uh, rude. I just like the fact that this is potentially an alien. So I'm going to go with alien. Turns out, just socially awkward. (laughs) Oh! Nice. Okay. Okay, So neither. Yeah, neither. Right on. What a riveting round of hypotheticals. Uh, I hope you learned a lot. I know I did. Uh, Where can we find you? Um, I am on Instagram a bunch. uh, Puerto Rican Ninja. Uh, The same N for Puerto Rican is the same N for Ninja. One N. One N. Don't do two. And you could go on Twitter, but... Honestly, I'm just an account who retweets everything Carly Houston posts, so... um. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because Vico acted in Carly's movie. Oh, cool. Um, But if you really, really want to go for it, uh, I think it's... uh, Clearly, I don't even know my username. Uh, I think it's Vicky Vico V. Oh, that's easy. And support local drag. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and stick around after the break. We'll be talking about food. Just in general. Oh, okay. I feel like it's more specific than that. It is. Okay. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 X. Maybe X's. This is the part of the show where I randomly select a topic that mm-hmm. I want to discuss with Gabby. Yeah, a broad, a broad topic. Uh, and this week, I want to talk about food. Okay. Because I have a, uh, a tough relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And it, it causes probably of everything... No, my career causes the most stress, but it causes a lot of stress in my life. Yeah, I don't have a great relationship with it either. It's very okay. So I, um, I hate vegetables. How? <laughs> How is that possible? I can enjoy some vegetables, but I never want them, and the idea of them is often repulsive to me. Like what? What? What vegetables do you like? Um, I like artichokes. Yeah. That's it? <laughs> what do you... What? Okay. Like, like but, I always want an artichoke. Everything yeah. else I have to be in a certain mood for. So, like, I'll eat... Like, I like onions, but onions don't have any nutritional value. You don't eat salads? I don't really like salads. Oh, they put a sweet greens near my house now, and I'm very excited. I hate sweet greens, unless they want to sponsor the show. Oh, I yeah, I'm all, I, I love a good, like, mixed salad, you know? I know. I, I, like, I want to be healthy, but yeah. I do not like healthy foods. And it is a constant battle for me. 
Because it's like, do I? And also, what about smoothies with vegetables? Well, they're gross. And also, they're gross. Nah, come on. You get a Jamba Juice. Jamba Juice isn't healthy. Yeah, you put like some veggies in your Jamba Juice. Nature Wait, well. Do not go to. These are terrible smoothies. Okay, but I just mean like there's vegetables in those. Yeah, but like it's not. Uh, there are healthy smoothies, and those are not places that provide okay, them. Okay, well, whatever. I just mean like you can get vegetables in other ways. Yeah, but see, another issue here. Baby food. Okay. <laughs> I've honestly thought about eating baby food. And I think it wouldn't I be that bad for you. a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it would be that bad for you. It's also hard because I have a lot of stomach problems. And so a lot of times, like if my stomach is acting up, like I don't want anything other than just a carb. Yeah. Like anything else like feels like it will make me sick. Yeah. Like if I could change anything about myself, it would be that I liked more foods. Like, Well, I think, yeah, let's just say you don't like a lot of foods. And I think that people like look at picky eaters and are like, oh, they're so difficult. And I want to be like, I don't want to be this way. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I would do anything to not be this way. Have you ever had um, like zucchini pasta like at a vegan place? Maybe. Because it'll I've like trick spaghetti you. squash. Yeah, it'll like trick you into having a vegetable. But I don't know how to have enough on a regular basis. And mm. and my boyfriend is like very into vegetables. And uh, like literally last night was like, you have to eat more vegetables. And well, I was like, no. And then he was like, yes. And I was like, well, then you have to prepare them for me because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> you can just like saute up some zucchini. Spinach? You like spinach? No. What? Sometimes, sometimes I'll be able to eat spinach. Wow. Do I like spinach? Hell no. That's crazy. Uh, at zucchini, I need it to be so thinly sliced <laughs> that I can barely even tell what I'm eating. Oh, my God. I, I like, when I see, like, a plate of just, like, steamed vegetables, it baffles my mind that anyone could eat that. Really? It's repulsive to me. Oh, man. I Yeah, I like vegetables. I just uh, I, I just don't cook enough, so sometimes they go bad. But I, I that's not my problem. I can eat that stuff. I just have, like, I, I have anxiety or something, and so, like, I forget to eat. Like, my anxiety manifests in, like, not eating enough. Mm, so I I'm, wish I had that. I'm, like, very resentful of having to stop for food. I hate it. You don't get hungry? I do, and it and it makes me very sluggish, and it like affects my mood. But I but I have a tr- I never know what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. No clue. You could be like, "What are you in the mood for?" I don't know. <laughs> and and uh, I I rarely have like a craving where I'm like, "Ooh, I want this." Like if it's in front of me, cool. But like, do like, you think you're someone who could survive just on like a protein shake? Or, like, I wanted. What, what was that thing? Soylent. Yeah. So I wanted to. I did Soylent for a while. I didn't feel like it was providing me enough energy and mm-hmm. also, wow, the poops. I am always anxious about choosing what to eat. I'm resentful that I have to like go and get food or buy groceries. And it makes me like I have had things where I'll like it'll be like 5 p.m. and I haven't eaten and I'm tired and I'm shaking and like I have to like and then when I do eat, I am fall asleep. Like I am so, so, so bad. I think that you need to uh, have a schedule. I know. You I know. You need to eat every three hours. Like an alarm. I have to like set, I should set an alarm on my phone. And even just like carry granola bars in your purse. Yeah. Because Here's another thing I don't like, fucking granola bars. Really? Yes. All the healthy ones I find repulsive. Oh. The well, unhealthy ones, sure. But the, all the ones that like are actually good for you, I hate them. Oh. I, I mean, yeah. 
I've lost, like, I, I, but I think this is bad. Like, I think it's, it affects, like, my mood and, like, my ability to do work. And, like, it's very, like, I think it has, I have some sort of, like, disordered eating. Not an eating disorder, but, like, disordered eating where, like, I, I don't eat enough. Because it, like, affects my heart rate. Like, it makes me oh, more yeah. anxious. I go crazy if I'm hungry. Yeah. You, you hear me all the time. I'm like, we have to eat. Yes. I need a snack. I have to. Like, that was a big thing. And working with my gastroenterologist helped a lot. Like, I have to eat every few hours or I will not do, do well. Yeah. And, like, prioritizing that and making it clear to the people in my life that, like, I, I'm sorry, but, like, I have to eat. Like, I can't just, like, wait for you to come to dinner and, like, have you push dinner an hour. Like, I now know that I have to snack. But how often when we're together are you the one that's like, we got to get lunch or we got to yeah, do this? you never wanted lunch. I ne- I've never asked for lunch. I've never – or I've never like – Alexis, my friend Alexis will f- – I think it's great. She'll – if we're hanging out and we're writing and stuff, I'll be like, oh, I'll just wait till three to go have lunch. And she'll be like, I'm going to cook something. Do you want some? And I'm like, oh, amazing. Imagine being able to cook something. That sounds so cool. Oh, but I've, I'll never – it's never my idea. Have you ever talked to your therapist about it? Um, no. Maybe bring that up. Yeah, because it just doesn't occur to me. And it's bad. I've like woken up at night with like hunger pains. Wow. I All I think about is food. Really? I'm constantly planning my next meal. I'm constantly thinking about when I can eat next. I'm thinking about how much sweets I can have without gaining weight. I want it over with. You don't enjoy eating? No. All I I care about is eating. (laughs) Like, to the point where it's, like, become, like, an unhealthy obsession of mine. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. But you're trying to keep yourself, like, energized and moving. Right. But, like, I wait all day to snack at night. Oh, fun. I I eat during the day, obviously. But, like, I, like, I don't feel satisfied unless I have, like, some form of dessert at night while I'm watching TV. It's, like, really unhealthy. But mine isn't good either. No, I'm not saying we're on opposite sides of two bad spectrums. Very bad. Um, Like, I I have, like, a real difficulty uh, stopping myself from eating a lot at night. I can do better during the day and then at night I like lose all self-control and just like shovel like the same calorie count as the whole day like into my mouth at night. Um, I feel. But aren't you having fun? Yeah, but I feel like a lot of shame about it because I don't have self-control. Oh, you want to you want to have impulse control. Yeah, like I'm a very controlled person. I don't know if you've ever met me, (laughs) but like and I can like. You know, I work out five times a week. I, I like do what I have to do. I can I like follow through on everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I am unable to control my relationship to food. Interesting. So it's where it's the aspect of my life where I feel like the most powerless. Oh, OK. I, but then it. Yeah. But then it could go the other way where you're like denying yourself the ice cream. I know. know. And I don't want to do that. And I'm not a proponent at all of like strict dieting. Like I, I, it's all for me, everything is about moderation. I just, again, have a difficulty with moderation Mm -hmm. and I have a difficulty with getting the nutrients that I need. And this has been an ongoing problem for me my entire life. How does anyone get the nutrients they need? I don't know. How does anyone, my, my, uh, I have a trainer and my trainer was like, was like, you should be eating, uh, like six servings of vegetables a day. Which is like a handful. You know, he was like, make a little zucchini and snack on that or whatever. And Ugh, it was snacking on zucchini. It was so I mean, I like vegetables, but thinking of eight 
different or six different little vegetable meals I could have during the day. That was my whole day. How am I supposed to write? How am well, I supposed you can to have like multiple hang out with people? at the same time? Well, I, I mean, I just was like it, it, having that be the forefront of my mind. I was like, what? when do I have time to hang out with people? It's overwhelming. <laughs> like it's really that's why I, I prioritize it so little because I'm just like I resent having to stop. I resent not liking things. This is horrible. It's exhausting. I I feel bad because there's probably like chefs and like foodies listening that are just like, what the fuck? (laughs) But we're both just like, I mean, three times a day every day? You kidding me? What are you talking about three times a day? I eat like six times a day. Yeah. And you got to make decisions that whole time. And like healthy snacks. Like, you know, I guess I just feel like it's something nobody talks about. How annoying food is? Yeah. (laughs) Like people are like, oh, I made my lunch and to me the idea of like making my lunch and and knowing how to do that and making something that I'm not gonna look at in the middle of the day and go this is disgusting yeah is like baffling to me yeah let's see if Melissa feels the same way (laughs) come on in and rate us so do you like to eat I I this is so complicated for me (laughs) right I love 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 to eat but like it's time. Like, I love to cook, but, like, I can't cook because it takes I, don't forever. Have, I don't have the time to cook. It takes forever. And the cleanup? And cleanup? The cleanup is, like, the worst part. Ugh. I did Soylent for a while, too. Um, yeah. Doesn't like, it taste awful? No, 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 no. I did the one that was in the bottle, the chocolate one, and it just yeah. tastes like chocolate milk. Yeah. And I also, like, love milk. I In my older age now, I have become you, lactose. You're drinking milk? Like, in a cup? That like I used to like drink like a gallon of milk like every week. I have dairy problems, and when I worked at the Glo- the Boston Globe, I would order this fettuccine Alfredo like every day, and I would just carve out half an hour afterwards just yeah. to poop. <laughs> so like, why do I we know read what I'm the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm up you know, pros and cons. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. I I give it uh, a uh five out of five drag king mustaches nice a specific type of mustache little pencil mustache oh Mm. thank you i was going in the same direction i was gonna give it 4.99 chest hairs fake chest hair baby Mm -hmm. i think that would freak me out more than facial hair on my own body the fake chest hair yeah because it's pubes or i don't know i just like i feel like (laughs) that would just no it's not i'm just an asshole (laughs) I mean, we all have a little mustache, let's be honest. Oh, I got a mustache. I got a full mustache. Me too, and I see it the most in the mirror in my car. So guess what? I don't always check that mirror. Oh, I love it. I just accept it. Yeah, I love it. Whatever. My skin's too sensitive to start messing with it. Yeah. It's fun when you're getting your eyebrows waxed and the girl says, do Mm -hmm. you want your lip waxed too? And you go, why are you negging me right right now? I try to get a manicure, and they're like, do you want your eyebrows waxed? <laughs> Same thing. And I'm like, no, I don't. Leave me alone. I will tell you what I want. Gender's right? a construct. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> what did we learn? I learned about ja- drag kings. I didn't, like, I in my mind, like, I was like, I know this exists, but I yeah. didn't know it, like, existed. Right. And so... um, I'm very intrigued by it, and I want to check out some of the shows. They're I pretty know. hot. Is it? They're, I mean, the one, yeah, some of them are, like, pretty sexy. But um, I learned that uh, Puerto Rico couldn't put their own flag up for 10 years. Yeah. I know. That's so, I, the stuff with Puerto Rico is insane. Our our country's relationship with Puerto Rico is horrifying. They oh. are part of our country, though. I know. <laughs> I know. It's nuts. I mean, we could have done a whole other episode with Vico. I've talked to Vico about this. We could have done a whole other episode with them about Puerto Rico because it's bananas. 
All right. Well, if you want to do what we just did and rate our episode, leave a review uh, where you rate this episode. And if your review is super funny, completely subjective, <laughs> uh, we will pick you to be on an episode of the podcast. But Woo! either way, rate, review, and subscribe, please, and send this show to everyone you know. Thank you so much to Vico Ortiz for being a guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Melissa D. Motz, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. I'm so hungry. Stitcher.